Hello and welcome to Backchat, your podcast all about scoliosis, yoga and back care. My name is Christine Jaregiberry. I'm a yoga teacher, creator of the Yogaberry Yoga for Scoliosis community and YouTube channel. And this show is all about supporting you on your scoliosis journey. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration on how to manage the condition with yoga and movement, then you're in the right place. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Backchat. Welcome to Yogaberry, your yoga for scoliosis community. So if you are here live, I can see there's five of you at least already tuning in. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to, maybe it's your first time, right? Maybe you're just kind of checking out and wanting to see what's going on here. Um, but maybe you have um, attended before, so you kind of know what to expect and i still appreciate you very very much so make sure that you um unless you're driving of course um otherwise if you want to use the the chat box and, and leave us a comment throughout our conversation as well and um already hinting i've got an interview guest today so feel free to let us know of course if you've got any questions let us know as always if you can hear me okay as well um, because that has happened in the past that I've been talking and realized about five minutes in that it, it wasn't actually working. But we've tested everything from our side here before and it seems to be okay. So we've had a little bit of a break here with, with Backchat um, because I've been away. I've been in Germany to see my family. I've been um, teaching at a yoga retreat in Spain and our last conversation we had was with uh, Dr. Lauren Fishman. So if you haven't listened to that yet, make sure that you do check this out. But today um, I've got a, a lovely guest here. Her name is Brenda Carey and she is a yoga teacher. She's also a Reiki master. Um, so she's going to give us a, a, a different perspective yet again. And this is really what um, I feel this, this show is, is all about, that I want to um, be able to share what we know, what we have learned about scoliosis on our different journeys. And all of our journeys are completely different and give you all the, the information um, and helping you hopefully to to kind of to find your way to find your path with scoliosis but um let me stop rambling on and i will bring her on so there she is hi brenda hi christine <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time um tell us just tell us where where are you right now i'm in colorado in the united states lovely okay so I'm in the UK, obviously, so we're we're always juggling all the different um, different time zones. I, I can see Haram is already saying hello. Let us know where you are in the world if you are um, if you are tuning in. Good. And yes, I can address this, Haram. I can address this afterwards, of course. Yes. If I don't know how it works with a live stream, you won't have the subtitles, I think. But I think if you watch it afterwards on the replay there might be the subtitles as well that you can turn on. So that's all I can say. If you are um, listening and, and um, English is not your first language, um, you might want to turn them on afterwards. 
Sorry, Brenda. <laughs> no worries. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Yes, yeah. So we we just had a little chat obviously beforehand. So you you said you've actually been um been following me here and and kind of listening to some of the the interviews I've done before, is that right? Oh yes, I've I've been uh following you on Backchat and some of your other offerings for quite some time. I think being in that yoga teacher scoliosis circle there's it's not a huge group of us so i think yeah. in some ways we we connect and find one another yeah yeah absolutely absolutely even though i feel nowadays though at some point i think when i started my journey um i felt it was only elise browning miller he was there yeah. And then kind of the, the deeper you dive, the more you realize how many and, you know, a lot of us obviously trained with her as well. Um, yes. I, but, I would yeah. definitely agree. I thought I was the only person on the planet with a <laughs> spinal fusion that was trying to get into yoga. Like I knew of mm. no one else. But then since then, you know, I mean, there is a benefit to the technology and the communication yeah. uh, when used for good. Uh, and, and, you know, positive information, I've been able to connect with people from like you all around the world um, that, you know, have a similar story. So we don't feel we don't feel alone in our. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I'm just going to uh, bring some a couple of, of you guys up here. So Laura is in Argentina. She's in, in Buenos Aires. Um, and then we've got MC from uh, Atlanta. Is that Georgia? I'm never quite sure with the abbreviations. GA, that's Georgia, Georgia. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good. So, um, Brenda, do you want to maybe give us a little bit of your your background story? What what was your um, um, scoliosis journey like? When were you first diagnosed, and and how did you get into this world of yoga? Um, yeah, that's a great. That's a great long story that I will shorten up. So we're not here for many, many hours. But uh, so I was, it's kind of a typical story. I was diagnosed at about 11 years old with like a mild form of scoliosis. My, you know, pediatrician was the one that detected it. There's no history in my family that that we know of at all. And they said, well, we'll just keep an eye on it was kind of the, the typical protocol then. And then a couple of years later, when I was 13, it had progressed significantly. And it was diagnosed with a right thoracic scoliosis. And it was decided in order to prevent the curve from getting any worse to be braced. And so I lovingly called it my plastic corset. Um, I was in that for basically all of my teenagers. So from about 13 to about 17. Wow. And it was, it was a long, it was a long time. And in hindsight, I didn't realize the emotional repercussions mm -hmm. that that had on me until much later. Uh, but the inevitable happened even after being braced for so many years, the curve still started to progress. I was at about a 55 degree curve um, at age of 19 when I did have the Harrington rods uh, placed along my spine. So I'm fused in most of my thoracic. So from like a T2 to L1. Mm. And um, the, I mean, the surgery is what it is. I think, uh, you know, I, for a long time, I held some resentment uh, because it, it was a long recovery process. I didn't have yeah. any pain before then, at least not any physical pain. 
And so it wasn't until after I got out of surgery that I understood back pain. Mm. And although it did subside after like the surgery part healed and, um, and so kind of continue, continued on with life wasn't really given, keep in mind, this is like the early nineties. I had my surgery in 1993. So I've had my rods now longer in my back than I have not. Um, so it, it was, I, I was young enough to be able to physically heal well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sort of mental impressions that were left on me from the experience of being in a very restrictive plastic brace for so many years because it limited, I was, I was ashamed as a teenager. Um, I didn't want anyone to know because it made me different. I mean, think mm-hmm. about it. Um, and I also carried these deep internal messages and I'm not implying that my surgeons told me this, but as an adolescent, they were, they were saying, well, there's something wrong with your back and we need to fix your back. And, mm-hmm. but in my adolescent brain that came out as there's something wrong with me yeah. and I need to fix me. And that was so deeply ingrained, probably on some subconscious level that the, de- the decisions that I made going forward, my perception of life was clouded by this. There's something wrong with me mm-hmm. and I need to be fixed. And I know that's a similar story for, you know, many, many people. So we go through yeah. life trying to fix. Yes, I was going to say, I think there's a lot of people um, who can who can absolutely relate to this. And I was just um, listening to some of the uh, the soul sort um, lex- lectures. So soul sort is the uh, Society of Scoliosis Orthopedic something and rehabilitation they have a big conference basically once once a year and all the very clever people um who deal with scoliosis treatments they they come together and and there's still so much talk about deformity about you know all the um, you know the 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 cop angles and at which angle you need to do this you need to do that but basically from you know you said it so 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 beautifully from um a person who's just growing up, all that you hear is basically all these, well, deformity, definitely terrible word, um, but all the things that are wrong, basically. And it's very hard to um, not to take this personally, right? Right. I definitely took it personally. And being a rather highly empathic person, although I didn't know that at the time, you know, I could just feel the, the, the friction of what the doctors were telling me and, and they were, you know, just doing their job. I'm not Mm -hmm. like pointing fingers by any means, but they also didn't realize that growing into, you know, adolescence into a young adult is that we take in so much. And yes, what they were saying was medically correct. um, But as I was receiving it, it was really forming a belief system in my mind that I think really prevented me from looking at myself beyond the diagnosis label. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could just tell you this was my scoliosis pattern. This was my degree of curvature. It got worse. So I knew all those things, but how those were affecting me in an emotional way and how then that how I made decisions in my daily life was was of huge significance that I didn't really realize until later. Mm, yes absolutely so so you were 19 um 
when you and this is kind of I mean this is I find this quite amazing because you had kind of the worst of both worlds right you had a the brace for a long time probably much longer than than kids nowadays would have them and then well you were probably hoping that that's it then I was in fact I was told that that this is going to be it this is going to take care of it and then when I stopped growing the, the idea was the curve would stop but that didn't happen okay so they were then worried that it would just kind of kind of continue to, to get worse and then they decided um to do the to do the surgery yes and you know i again i was young enough to be physically well enough to recover mm-hmm. from that surgery and but then had this whole exploration of pain like i had really not had any i mean other than feeling restricted in a brace which that led to breathing issues and digestive issues but i really hadn't had any significant back pain mm-hmm. and it did get better before it got worse And so fast forward about three, four years after my surgery, I started getting in pain in the areas where the rods were not. So it was affecting my lower back and my neck, and it was compensating. I was actually getting hypermobility to compensate for having no spinal flexion and very limited rotation in my thoracic spine. And I mean, previous, I was a pretty active person and my activity level went way down after surgery. Um, I wasn't given any kind of like post-surgery. Again, this is early 90s. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really given a whole lot of post-surgery exercises or anything to do. I think they gave me like a sheet of paper with like five exercise on it. And they said, go home and do this. And of course at 19, like no one's going to do that. <laughs> so I tried to live my life as usual and then started noticing, oh my gosh, I'm getting pain in my neck, I'm getting pain in my low back. And even like walking around the block was aggravating to my spine. And so my mom, God love her, she uh, said, well, I'm taking this yoga class. And it was through the park district. It was, this is probably about mid, late nineties at this point. She's like, it could be helpful. Why don't you give it a try? And it's very gentle. And at that point I thought, what have I got to lose? Uh, And so I went with her to this class And this is important because I tell my yoga students this all the time, because many people go into a yoga class and they're like, oh my gosh, my life changed for the better ever since then. And like, I don't know, rainbows, unicorns, all the things. I got out of that first class and went, I don't think I could ever do this again. Like, not only was I just bored, um, but I had to really face being in my body. Mm -hmm. And that was probably not something I had experienced since before being braced. And and this is the aspect of that mental emotional journey that so intertwines with the physical that I think is is so important for people. Like when there is pain or if someone's been braced, in order to survive through that emotional trauma, and I'm not trying to glorify it by any means, but to understand like being restricted and not being able to breathe as well or having to put up with pain, we have to kind of check out of our bodies to just to Mm. get through the day. And I hadn't realized that this was my normal day-to-day pattern being checked out. Do you think that this is more of a result of the brace 
or I mean, it's probably difficult for you to kind of differentiate this, but I think um, it's probably just a combination of both. Mm -hmm. I think it was from early on feeling restricted in the brace and then, you know, having the surgery and experiencing back pain for the first time, and then it subsides and then it comes back in areas where the rods are not. Um, just trying to cope with that, are we naturally, you know, sort of shut down to be able to cope with what we can for that day. Mm. And so what the yoga class brought up for me, that first one, even though at the time I just thought, I don't like this, I don't think I'll ever do this again. Um, it was bringing this awareness of you now have a new body. Like mm. I had to learn how to figure out what I can do even with the rods, even though I was always being told, well, don't do this and don't do that. And I got all the don't list. I got that. But I also needed to be able to live in this world and to move because we're yeah. designed, we're designed as humans to move. So what could I do um, that felt really good and connect me back to my own body? Mm. So did you have kind of uh, when you went to that um, particular yoga class, did you kind of go in and say to your teacher, by the way, I've got a, I've got a fusion or I've got a, a metal piece of metal in my spine, or did you just keep it quiet? I think I just kept it quiet because I remember being in the way back. I mean, it wasn't a big room, but I just, I didn't, I was still ashamed, I think, mm -hmm. because I was different. Um, and so I, I just kind of hung out in the back and thought, well, I will try and do what I can. It was a gentle class to begin. I mean, I remember the instructor. Now, mind you, I'm in my 20s at the time. She looked like she was like 100 years old. She was probably only 60. So it, it tended to be an older person class, which is actually what I needed. I didn't know that at the time. But the mm -hmm. slow pace of that class also made me realize, because we would hold these stretches for a while, and then I would start to notice my mind. And that was another key piece. I started to notice this mental chatter constantly, and they weren't always the most kind thoughts. And it was this constant either future planning, like, oh, I have to do this when I get, when I get out of here. Or it's like, why can't you do this? Why can't you be like that person next to you? Maybe you shouldn't even be here. Like this constant chatter. And so that was also being brought up in that class. So of course I left going, I don't know if I can handle this. Like <laughs> being in a new body, quote unquote, and then also really starting to pay attention to the fluctuations of my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to bring up uh, a comment here from Jess um, is saying, hello, I had rods for five years and then got an infection and had them removed, um, had a PICC line at home for five weeks to administer antibiotics. My curve has progressed slowly since then. Yeah, so I'm, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it can be quite a journey, obviously. And sometimes I think, um, I, I sometimes kind of just listen to those, to some conversations, listen in the, in the Facebook groups, um, in other Facebook groups where people talk about surgery mainly. And a lot of them who are pre-surgery kind of or moms or families think like, that's it, right? You, you have your surgery and then that's it. But what I hear from you and, and anyone else, obviously, who's had 
um, spinal fusion and certainly from Jess here it's it's just the beginning right mm -hmm. so you had to kind of completely relearn obviously how your how your body works um, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm wondering did you kind of so you you had a little bit of guidance of what you should do and what you shouldn't do or what you can do what you can't do well, I definitely had the should nots from my doctors. Yeah. We made that, you know, very clear. In terms of the what I could do, that was kind of an exploration. Keep mm -hmm. in mind, this is a different time back in the 90s. We didn't have all the resources like yours to really kind of have more guidance. So for me, it was like, well, here's how I can move laterally. And here's my limited now rotation. And so it became a sort of progression of, being very sensitive to, oh, this is my limit on this one side. And then, mm -hmm. oh, here's the other limit on the other side, because it was different. We're working with asymmetry. And so really listening into my body and then also noticing when the thoughts came up, when the judgmental thoughts came up as well, because they were very intertwined. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that can feel very overwhelming, uh, but this is when breath work comes in. And I think this is such a key piece in yoga that we don't necessarily, because I did quite a bit later on, I did, you know, physical therapy and, and more static kind of stretching, but breath work was never really addressed. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I had learned actually from that first yoga class that I was a reverse breather and I had no idea. So what that means is like, usually when we inhale, our belly fills up like a balloon. And then when we exhale, it deflates like a balloon. And somewhere along the way, I had learned to do the exact opposite. So when mm -hmm. I was inhaling, my belly sucked Everything in and it went all up into my chest. Mm -hmm. And then opposite, when I exhaled, my belly filled out. And I had no idea. And that's such a small trigger to that fight or flight nervous system that I was carrying with me for who knows how many years. So I was learning. I'm like, I've got to learn how to breathe the the correct way. So to calm my nervous system down, because that was also affecting the anxiousness of my thoughts. Mm. So breath work was huge for me yeah. to breathe and then create space in the body from the inside out. So doing those stretches and then breathing into that space and then exhaling, just releasing the tension. Mm. And that alone was there was the kind of the first seed that was planted in, you know, breathing properly and starting to explore how I could move my body now, even with the rods. Mm. So you, so kind of coming back to this, so you, you didn't really enjoy the, the, the first experience of yoga, but maybe mainly because it kind of brought up, it touched on the trauma, I guess, yes. that, that you had experienced, but what was it then that made you come back eventually and eventually train to be a yoga teacher, of course. It's true. And I say it wasn't like it just in a few classes. I would say over the first year or almost two years, I had this like love-hate relationship where I'd be like, yes, I know I can do this. And then the trauma would come up and another layer of it would come up. And then I'd pull back and be like, oh, I don't know if I can, you know, take this on again. And so it was this kind of start, stop, start, stop. And then eventually... And there wasn't like one pinpoint. I started to realize that I actually felt worse when I wasn't doing the yoga. And I was like, okay, I think this is something I need to consistently do to have the, 
the results that I want to feel better in my body. I wasn't so reactive in my mind. It wasn't great, but it, it was slow, slow progress. And so eventually it did become a short but regular practice week after week, month after month. And I did notice that as my body was becoming as flexible as it could be, as I was focusing on what I could do in my body, as opposed to what I could not do Mm -hmm. um, and not overextending my limits, it expanded my world. Like I started looking into, you know, other activities that I could do. Like I got into hiking. Um, I got into rock climbing, which if you would have told me that I would be interested in that right after surgery, I'd be like, oh gosh, no. Um, But I was starting to build strength in my body and strength in my mind. Like I started to realize, you know what? I'm not all those thoughts going in and out of my mind, telling me that I'm not enough. And so those uh, original belief systems of I need to be fixed and, you know, I'm, I'm not enough and I need to do something to fix me started to go into the periphery or into the background. And I was beginning to focus on my, my deeper breathing, which created space in my body, the physical forms, the postures I could do. And then I did start a meditation practice, um, which I know a lot of people go, meditation. Oh my gosh, I can't just sit there and do nothing. Uh, And I was definitely one of those people. I'm like, oh, I'm too active. There's, there's no way I could go and listen to all my thoughts, but I just started to do things more mindfully. And so when the thought did come up, I was like, hmm, like, do I want to believe that thought? Is that really who I am? And decide, well, I can either hold on to that thought if it's serving me, or I can choose on my exhale um, to release that and bring in something that I do want to create in my life. Mm. Very nice. So um, um, tell us about... Tell us about the Reiki a little bit more, because um, um, well, I, I call this I call this chat obviously en- energy healing and holistic lifestyle, and you know I, I love how you you kind of created this you, you painted us the 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 picture obviously, and I love I love your journey and how it kind of um, kind of went from the 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 physical to to maybe the little bit more subtle things afterwards. That's to, that's what it sounds like to me. And I don't know very much about Reiki, I have to say. Um, I know that it's, I do have a student in my yoga class who, who is a Reiki master and she does a lot of this. <laughs> so that's all I know really about Reiki. So, so tell us, for anyone who's like me and who maybe doesn't know much about it, um, yeah, what, what is it all about? So I'll clarify a little bit energy healing and Reiki, because I feel like as energy healing, we hear this term more in mainstream, and then we hear Reiki associated with energy healing. And I think the vocabulary, depending on the person you talk to, um, is, is different, but the concepts are the same. So I think that's where, at least where I'm seeing people get confused, like this person talks about Reiki, but then this person talks about energy healing or energy medicine, it's coming up in different forms. And I think people are just naturally curious about it. And I think that's because there are some similar stories to mine, like where we did the physical work, like we did the yoga postures and we did the breathing, 
and we're still having some pain or we're still dealing with some of the mental and emotional issues that have not been resolved from like typical Western medicine treatments. And so people are now naturally curious, like, where do those belief systems come from? Like, how come my perspective looks at my body or my mind in this way? And so just to back it up a little bit, mm -hmm. I say that we, everything is energy. Like we, our physical body's movement is energy. We are connected by energy. Our thoughts, our feelings are some of the most powerful energy that, that we can choose. Um, and then you get into this, what is might return to, you mentioned subtle body. So it's this idea that we are not just, we don't end right at our skin. You know, there is this extension of us and who we are. And some people can feel that, whether you call it energetic field or aura, there's different terms. Again, this gets into vocabulary where people are mm -hmm. like, it's, it's all the same idea, but it's this acknowledgement that, uh, you know, I am not just a physical body. I am not just my chattery thoughts. There is an energy. That's why my heart beats and I don't have to control it. That's why I breathe and I don't have to tell myself, okay, now you need to inhale. I mean, unless we're trying to deepen it or something. These are just natural energetic systems. We're connected to our outside world, the natural world outside of us, all living beings. And so when we become aware of this greater sense, and there's different terms for this, and this is, again, where it can be a little tricky. So Reiki broken down is, a, is basically a connection to whether you want, want to call it our highest self, our, you know, capital C consciousness, spirit, God, it can be referred to as many things, but it's this universal life force that we are all connected to. And it's not that we, that we can't access this, but because sometimes our attention is drawn away to external things, including our physical body or someone else, we um, have lost, many people have lost this connection to this universal life force. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of criticism in here that says, well, you can't see it. And how do you know if it's working? And I'm like, well, like we take for granted that our heart is going to beat. You know, we take for granted that, you know, we are going to move and breathe in this world. So there is there is an amount of faith and trust in this process. Um, but we all have this ability to tune inward. Mm -hmm. And so Reiki is this um, awareness or ability to draw in that universal life force energy. And it's a healing energy. It comes from light and love. You hear the term for the greatest good. And this is where I started to shift when I started to focus in on there is a, a, an energy that is much greater than what my rational mind can come up with mm -hmm. because, and I think people can relate to this. I was trying so hard to do the right things, like all the right yoga postures and all the right advice that I was given from other people, but I was sending my power or my energy out instead of really listening within. And so for me, my Reiki teachers, it was this key piece. And this was after I had been through yoga teacher training. 
um, yeah. and had really invested time and energy into learning the yoga postures and learning the best way for me to meditate, but expanding even more and being like, what does my own inner healer say that I need? Instead of always looking at the person outside of myself, mm -hmm. which they can give me some really good advice that I may need, but can I filter that within my own self? and decide, is this the best decision for me? Mm -hmm. And can I be within that, what we call sacred space? Mm -hmm. And we get to create that for ourselves. Now that takes a lot of, um, that takes a lot of work, I imagine, and a lot of trust and, and a lot of courage really, because I mean, I, I, I sometimes see this in myself as a kind of a little, trap because your your first or my first instinct sometimes if I don't know what to do is to ask someone else right we always kind of look for this uh well somebody else will will tell me mm, what is the best thing for me a doctor will know right I just need to find the right person and they are going the expert who's going to give me all the answers um but I can absolutely relate to this I think you can get into this at some point I think you just realize that it's always something outside that you're trying to um that you're trying to get but really if you're really honest with yourself it is somewhere inside of you isn't it but it's so difficult isn't it <laughs> it is because we are constantly distracted outside mm -hmm. of ourselves and even more so now in, in the last couple of years. But the tools that Reiki gave me in terms of trusting this, this universal life force and that I can, whether you call it channel or receive it in, it's part of learning to be a receiver and allowing in this energy that I give it an intention to, a healing intention that comes from love and light. Um, instead of splaying out my energy in all different directions, trying to figure out, well, should I do this? This person said I should I, said I should do this and really bringing it in. It is deep inner work, mm -hmm. but I will say it is so worth it because I look at my journey and by, you know, any Western medicine standards, by the things that I have gone through, both physically, mentally and emotionally, I live a life that is vibrant and full. And I attribute that to that inner work that I've done. It didn't come from someone else solely. I mean, of course, I have relied on different health practitioners to help me in my journey. But ultimately, my, my inspiration and my willingness to even put myself out, out there on, on this show, like, I don't know if I would have even done that a few years ago. I've been like, oh, no no one's going to want to listen to me. But as I've stepped into my worthiness and sort of brought that, instead of giving away my power, like I said, and then drawing that power in knowing, no, this is my own integrity. And this is what I get to share with the world. I tell people, although I would never want to repeat a spinal fusion surgery, it, my spine and that those experiences are one of my greatest teachers. Besides my daughters, my daughters are also very good <laughs> teachers for me, but I don't think I would have learned resiliency or empathy or compassion for other people, probably not any other way. Mm -hmm. And I think those gifts 
um, are are even greater than the pain that I did go through. Yes, and and just knowing that you are just by sharing your your story, you are helping um, so many people. There's so many people who are at home and maybe in in this situation that you were whatever 10, 15 years ago, and and uh, feeling feeling hopeless, feeling like they're not enough, feeling like um they need to they need to be fixed and and you know what what can i do and looking for all, all this outside help so you know i think it's so important and that's why i always ask people to share their story because so many people um will find so much comfort in 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 what obviously what you're having to to say and um the the things that you went through right Right. And I still have times where I do have physical pain. It's not like, oh, no. that was it. It's all done. Um, but I feel now I have the the tools that I need, mm -hmm. tools from yoga, a mindfulness practice with meditation, different energy healing techniques, some of them from Reiki, some of them from more modern sources. Some of them actually derive from like traditional Chinese medicine. I'm not an acupuncturist, but I've learned about meridian lines and acupressure points. So there are different ancient systems of energetic anatomy that, that we can really tap into. Mm. Um, emotional freedom technique is, is kind of an offshoot of using different acupressure points to help release some of the negative stagnant old habits that we hold on to. There are different tools that we can bring in that complete this holistic um, style of learning. It's not just about the physical body um, and not even just about the mental mind. It's, it's an even broader, bigger picture. And I think that's where whatever energy healing modality a person uses, whether it is the Japanese tradition of Reiki or traditional Chinese medicine, or there are more modern forms of energy medicine techniques that are now out there that are like readily available that can help us tap into our, whether you call it intuition, our true self, uh, but it allows us to like bring back our own power and inspire a life that we want to live. And so we're taken out of this victim mode, like, oh, this is happening to me. I went through that for more years than I care to consider. Um, but to turn that around and being like, look what I learned from my experiences. Like, look how I have grown in depth of character. And it's made me like who I really am. And then I get to gift that to other people by sharing my story. And when the pain does arise, because it does, And I'll notice my thoughts go back into this pattern of, oh, I need to be fixed. You know, oh, I need to find something just outside of myself to fix me. At least now I'm able to kind of catch myself a little bit sooner than I would have and to put into place the practices that I know I need to do to take care of myself. Mm. So do you think that um, the Western medicine that uh, – is a little bit kind of two-dimensional or I don't know how you would uh, maybe describe do you feel like there is a big part missing or do you feel like it's it's slowly kind of evolving and 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 um maybe considering some of these other um alternative 
I think it's just, it depends on who you talk to. I would like Mm -hmm. to think that it is evolving because I've had many students with scoliosis that would say, oh, my doctor said that yoga would be helpful for me. And I'm like, yes, you know, (laughs) Um, but then, I mean, doctors are trained in what they are trained to do. And we need that perspective. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to pass that over. Uh, I would just add, and there is a whole other journey that healing brings on the mental and emotional side, on our energetic side, like how we view ourselves in this world is so important and how we heal that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so many different modalities now that we can be in touch with. Uh, yeah, it looks like Qigong and Tai Chi and all of those like more uh, Chinese traditions. Those are great. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would definitely encourage someone to just, you know, try try something that that piques your interest, even if it might seem a little out there uh, and obviously do what, what your body feels capable of doing. And just know that at first it might not feel great, like my first yoga class, but it's just because it was new. And sometimes change can be, can be difficult, even good change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, our brains love familiar. Our brains want to stay safe. And I totally get yes, that. Yeah. Uh, but it's also very healthy for us to evolve and to hopefully take some of the, whether you want kind of lessons or opportunities that we get from our struggles. Um, I tell people like the people that have most impacted me in my life are people who have been through some very serious struggles and have come out of it, you know, this person of great character and great depth. I mean, you think of like the big people like Nelson Mandela, um, you know, Mother Teresa, these are people that struggled, you know, these are people that had hardships. And so when we view it from that perspective, um, that I can, you know, heal through this, I have every capability to do that. Um, if I need help, I check in, is, is this what I'm really being called to do or a person to work with? And if not, know that that's okay. And there'll be something that does come in that is a good fit. So it is a is a, a trusting and a surrendering to this process. Not easy. I'm not yeah, saying right. it's easy, <laughs> uh, but a process that I have so greatly learned from in many, many ways. Yeah. Um, just bringing up some more comments here. Never get desperate when pain arises. Never dark thoughts before begin to do things actively. Is that a question, Laura, or is that <laughs> is that a? Um, but yeah, I I can definitely I can definitely relate to this uh, and and this whole, you know, when you're in it, when you're in the storm, it's it might seem like darkness, like Laura Laura was saying, right? That there is no hope and um, everything is against you, and you know you you are in this kind of victim mode but i think as as you say you know the um the more you experience these things you know that these are just kind of fluctuations right it's it's they it, are it doesn't stop there and we yeah, do and get I, to evolve and i would mm-hmm. say when those those shadow times come and we do feel overwhelmed and we're seeing this so much in mental health awareness mm-hmm. coming up after coming out of a, at least I'm calling it coming out of uh, pandemic times that we, we will have a tendency to isolate ourselves. 
And I would say that's actually the opposite. You know, even though, yes, I was ashamed, you know, from a very young age of being in a back brace and my spine was different. I had different mobility issues. Uh, Eventually, I learned that I needed to be in a community. I needed to be like we are we are just designed to energetically be in community with other people. That's just how we're designed. I mean, that's why, you know, we talk about how we extend outside of just our skin. Like we connect with other people, sometimes without even words. Sometimes it's just being in a place. And I'm even learning to be in virtual places and being able to connect with people. It's, I mean, at first I was really like, I don't know about this. This is kind of strange. But that we are meant to be with people. Uh, just to support and encourage us, uh, to hold us accountable. I mean, that was that was also a big piece for me, especially when I started meditation. I, you know, I had actually a partner that we would kind of hold ourselves accountable and be like, okay, can we do at least five minutes of meditation and just sit and breathe? Whether that was a guided meditation, whether that was just listening to the thoughts pass by to build that self-awareness. Like, Mm. and I think that's so powerful um, to have someone along, whether it's a partner or a group where we all know that we're not meant to show up here perfect, totally intact, but that we get to do this journey together Mm. and it unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I definitely found this, um, with my membership, which I started um, a couple of years ago, maybe a little bit more now, because there was, you know, I, I, I had, I was, I was teaching all the same people always ask me, what should I do? What are the exercises I should do for, for my scoliosis? And it kind of always came back to the saying of it, it's not going to work if you don't actually do it. So it's, it's, it was, there was this missing thing. There was this accountability what you what you just mentioned that sense of community that was kind of missing because i could give all the you know i think you could you could try this you could try that and you have all those things but then if you don't do it <laughs> it's for sure not going to work so um yes yeah i think that sense of community and uh accountability and finding a group right of of like-minded people of um yeah finding a local a local yoga class um being with other people if it's in the virtual space or actually be physically in the in the room together is such a powerful thing it is and i think mm-hmm. it's crucial and it's it's a key piece of healing and and you mentioned the like-minded because there were a lot of people in my world but they weren't necessarily in the direction that i wanted to go um and I mean, love them as they are and accept them for who they are. But I also knew that I didn't want to stay in a victim mentality or in a negative mind space. I knew I wanted to move forward. And Mm -hmm. so aligning with people that, you know, also had that similar, similar interest and growth pattern. I wanted to, you know, make a difference, a small positive impact in this world and in the short time that I'm here. And I, I do enjoy teaching that. And um, yeah, as a yoga teacher, and I, and I have, you know, my own blend, it's not specific scoliosis yoga, but it's this blend of using some of the energy healing techniques that I've learned and blending it in with yoga postures. And okay. so it becomes this mix of, and I use energy healing techniques from 
all the different modalities that I've learned. This, it's one of, I am forever a student. I love learning different ways. Some of them have worked for me and some of them have not, but have worked for some of my students. So I always just offer them up. Like here's something that might work for you. I feel like the energy healing piece really works on some of the old belief systems and helping to rewire some of those patterns that we maybe even on a subconscious level, basically live our life through that belief system. And so whether it's the, I need to be fixed mentality, there are ways that we can use uh, the different energetic energetic lines through our bodies called meridians or the universal life energy force and Reiki, along with moving and breathing. And it connects all those holistic pieces of who we are as a human being in our um, in our totality, um, mm -hmm. rather than just focusing on the body. And that for me has been uh, just, just a, a game changer, if you will. <laughs> mm, yes. So for anyone who's who's curious now and, and um, would like to learn more or who would like to work with you, how do you how do you work with people? Is it one to one? Or do you work online? Do you have any training? I do. Um, I do have some online trainings. I also do work one-on-one -on -one with people here in Colorado, but I am shifting more to an online platform. I have on my website, which is uh, sacredpathyogaandreiki.com, uh, I have an energy healing yoga series. It's a recorded series from a previous um, series that I did. Uh, you can, if you uh, find on my website, you can get the first class for free just to check it out because I realize it's something a little outside the box, uh, yeah. but very accessible uh, to all different levels of yoga and experiences with energy healing. It just brings in this, this new concept or component that maybe someone hasn't considered yet. And I, I would say, especially if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the yoga postures, but there's, there's still more. I feel like there's just still more that needs um, some completion or wholeness in my journey. And so that may offer them the next key piece. And then I offer a holistic lifestyle training uh, that is based on three seasons. So I am very connected with the natural seasons of, uh, of our lifestyle. And that also includes uh, issues like nutrition, which mm -hmm. is also a key component as well, because I've had digestive issues along with the scoliosis issues. So nutrition and energy healing, mindfulness, all those things that just raise our vibration and raise our energy and what we do want to create in this world. Well, you've definitely made me curious. I will definitely check out some of some of those practices and have a look on on your website. And I have put it into the description as well for anyone who is um, curious and who yes. wants to, to find and out I, more. I do have a short, it's a short holistic um, scoliosis program. It, again, it's a recorded series that is specific for scoliosis. The energy healing yoga is for really for anyone who's just curious. Mm, lovely. Well, thank you so much, Brenda. This has been um, yeah, it's been it's been amazing, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed our our conversation. Any uh, kind of last pieces of advice for anyone who is maybe in that space of darkness and has maybe just either been diagnosed with with scoliosis or been told they need to have surgery? 
um, anything that you can you can offer right now? I think one of the things I do every morning is I put a hand on my heart um, and connect in with my own heart beating. And this is my reminder that I am a miracle um, and, and that I do not need to be fixed. So my mantra in the mornings are, I am enough, I am whole. And then it ends with a question. And I sort of address it to you, whether you call it, want to call it universe, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it, is what do I need to know today? Mm. It's that, what do I need to know today? And it's so beautiful how just simple messages of I am enough, you know, I am whole just as I am come in. And for people to really know that deep within, place a hand on your heart, feel your heart beating, that is that perfect energetic rhythm that's designed just for you beautiful thank you so much brenda and there's lots of let lots of thank yous coming in here in in the chat and sorry i haven't gone through all your, all your comments but um yes brenda will get the chance to read them all afterwards obviously thank you thank you to everyone who's listening it's really been my honor it's a gift for me to share um it's a gift for me to share my story in hopes that it, if it helps people and know that you're not alone. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Stay on a little bit longer, Brenda, while I'll, I'll say goodbye to everyone, obviously. So thank you so much, guys, for watching um, on replay or, or live with us right now, obviously. Feel free to share this with anyone who you think might need to to hear the these amazing words from from brenda obviously today and um yeah we'll see you next week again so it's 4 p.m uk time um different times different parts of the world of course and yeah thank you guys I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, I would be super grateful if, if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, which will help me to create lots more amazing content. If you have any questions or suggestions, reach out to me on Instagram at yogaberry.scoliosis or visit my website at www.yogaberry.net.